0: It's appropriate that after our report from people going into the field that even those of us who are unable to go unite with them. And the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, the the communion meal is a great opportunity for us to come into uh, that unity one with another as we celebrate our unity with Christ and our unity with these who are going that we would break the bread together and drink of the cup together as we send them I um, I think of these verses and uh, just short meditation on them and uh, this morning I I recall every morning I, I look to this person of beauty that wakes up next to me and I look over there and I wonder how did I pull this off And then I I realize that God is sending me a sign and a signal of love. Uh, And that um, there's this person who loves me in spite of who I am sometimes, and sometimes because of who I am. And even when I forget things and uh, maybe don't communicate the best of anyone in the world, but there's a constant and steady love that Lee and I have. And we celebrate that love as much as we can on a daily basis but there's there's one time a year and it's it's coming up for us Uh, it'll it'll be our 39th anniversary coming up and that one day of the year is a is a time that we focus on that love Uh, not only the love that we have for one another but our love for our children that God has given us not only the love for one another and the love for our children But we focus on the love of our Father, God, who brought us together and has given us this union of a man and a woman that he has wholly ordained to be together uh, for life. And we celebrate that and we use it as a time to uh, be a sign to all of those around us that God uh, has ordained our marriage and that our marriage has been fruitful And that it continues to be so. We love one another constantly every day. But there is that one day of the year that we really elevate our love up as much as we can and focus on it. That's what the Lord's Supper is in many ways. We constantly love our Lord and we love one another. We do that routinely. And we do that and show that in many ways. But on the day that we celebrate, and we do it here in this church the first Sunday of every month, the day that we celebrate the Lord's Supper is the day that we, in a heightened fashion, lift up the love of God for us. And we recognize it and we recall what He has done for us by His death on the cross. How did this come into place? How, did, how, did, how and why did Jesus institute this holy meal uh, for you and I to partake of this morning. Of course, many of us know from from uh, the Old Testament, the the uh, from Exodus 12, the Passover meal that was established by God, where the where the door the door frames were painted, the, the blood of the firstborn lamb was painted on the door frames of the house of Israel, and they had a meal together, and and the spirit of of God passed over that house and would not kill the firstborn of that house as he did everywhere else where that blood was not painted over the doorpost, and hence the Passover meal. Jettison forward to this Last Supper of Jesus where Jesus, um, in an expositional way, unveils the mystery of the Passover that he is that Paschal Lamb, that he is the bread, that he is the one uh, that was there that all of the Passover meal symbolized that He was the ultimate truth of the Passover, that the blood of the Lamb of God, which is over our head, covers us and keeps us uh, alive and keeps us away from the wrath of God and protects us and gives us eternal life. Interestingly enough, at the end of that Passover meal in the Old Testament, the Hebrews are instructed it's to be a meal that you sash your belt up and you get ready to run. You get ready to go. As a symbol of you're not part of Egypt. Egypt would be representing the world and the world's power of their, that kept them enslaved and God's people enslaved and Moses comes as a redeemer to pull them out of that slavery and God sends blood to give them life and releases them out of the slavery of the world to live and move towards the promised land. All of that full reality being in Jesus, Jesus establishes a new covenantal meal. And then He says, I am the bread of life. I am the cup of salvation. You partake of me because you are not of this world, but you are of the kingdom that I belong to and am king over. And so he reestablishes the Passover meal not as a sign, not as a, not as a pointing arrow to what's to come, but as a fulfillment in the reality that is to come in us at the great banquet when he returns as the king of all kings. And in some ways, just like the Israelites, you and I are to partake of this meal in the same way, with an attitude of this is not home, that God has called us out of the bondage of the slavery of sin. That he's called us out of this world to live as citizens of heaven. And that as we partake in this meal, we recognize a couple of things. One, we recognize that Jesus has died for us. And that Jesus has shed his blood for the remission of our sins. And thereby freeing us from even the slavery of death in the grave. But we also recognize that he's done that for one another as well. And that even as He is united to the Father, we are united to Him and we are also united one to another. And so it's impossible for us to consider eating this meal without considering one another. It's impossible to say this is a private moment between me and God because God has ordained that it's not a private moment between you and Him. But it is a church moment. It is a body of the Christ moment. That the body of Christ celebrates together, not in private, not as individuals, but as a communing body that love one another and are united to one another. And so mysteriously, somehow, even as we partake in communion, we're partaking in communion with all of the saints, those who have gone before us, those who are around the world that are celebrating the communion today. We are together with them partaking in this meal. You may wonder, why isn't there a full loaf of bread? Why is there not a full cup for me to drink? Because this is only a sign and a seal of the great banquet to come. It's an aperitif, it's an appetizer. It's a reminder that you're not home yet. It's a reminder that the real meal is yet to come. And it's also a reminder that that meal, that banquet, is sealed for you, it can never be taken away. That that day is coming. And it's as sure as you are here today, it's yours to enjoy. Some of you have wondered why why have we asked you to come forward? In these words, Paul says, I received from the Lord which I give unto you. Come and take. In a real way, One of the reasons we're asking people to come forward is for that very intentional effort to say, I want to receive what God has given to me. So we ask you to come forward to receive it. Yes, you could sit and receive it in your seat. That's true. And it may be just as meaningful. That's true. And that's true for you. But as an edifying event for the whole body, To see one another coming up to receive encourages each of us. Because it's not just about you and it's not just about me. It's about Him for all of us. When I see Ted and his family come and partake, I'm encouraged to know my brother is there and he's eating. When I see any of you come up, when I see Jim and Katie come up and partake, I'm encouraged. I want to partake too. It's a recognition that there's my brothers and my sisters and we're together and we're operating for the glory of Christ. You see, it's honoring to Jesus for us to come and say, "Yes, I'm part of this family. Yes, I'm part of this body. Yes, I will humble myself and come and receive from the hand of the elders of this church the elements that represent Christ. Some of you come from a different background. Many of us come from eclectic backgrounds. Some of you come from a Catholic background where the tradition or the understanding was a a thing called transubstantiation where you are partaking, they think, really and truly of the real blood and the real body of Christ. And in the Mass, Jesus is in some ways lifted up and crucified over and over again. I can't see that in Scripture. I don't understand it that way. I don't believe it to be that way. Some of you come from a Lutheran background and have understood things in a word called consubstantiation. That somehow the elements transfer and they transmit and they translate into the body and the blood of Jesus as they're ingested. I don't see Scripture teaching that either. And there's a long history why Luther saw it that way, and I'd be happy to sit down and talk to you about it one day. Then there's the view that some of you come from that this is just a a memorial meal, that we are just um, remembering an event that happened. I think the true way for us to come to this in our understanding is an understanding that this is a real spiritual meal. That this is real spiritual food. That Christ is present with you and I right now. And that he is here to feed us real spiritual bread to, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to bind us and bound us to one another. And it's also real spiritual drink that reminds us and helps us to live in the gospel. You see, this really is a gospel-oriented meal that says it's true. It's true. You belong to Him. He has made you His. You are united to Him now and forevermore and to one another now and forevermore. It's true. Remember it. Celebrate it. Do it often. Because it's real. And so that's why we celebrate it the way that we do. It's why we ask you to come forward. It's why we should be stronger when we leave here. We should recognize our cleanliness because of Jesus when we leave here. We should recognize the strength that we have in him when we leave here. But most of all, we should recognize his glory that covers each and every one of us while we are together here. Celebrating. Would you pray with me as we prepare our hearts to take that which the Lord has provided?